All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Thanks for tuning in this week. A little bit of a change in plans with this episode, of course, in, in light of recent events. The coronavirus has certainly dominated the news in just the last 48, 12, I mean, hell, even the last hour. I'm sure as I record this podcast, even more changes will be made as well, but I'm, I'm going to get started anyway. But I'm not going to start with the pandemic going on right now. I'm going to start with something fun first. I want to hopefully bring a lighter side to this podcast first. We'll get to the other stuff in just a little bit later on in this episode, of course. But I'll start by talking about my trip to Las Vegas this past weekend, actually, as I was in Vegas for the first time, which was a ton of fun, a great experience for me. I mean, you know when you start to tell people that you're going to Vegas for the first time, they get that smirk on their face or they say, oh, ho, ho, yeah, Vegas. And then they, they proceed to tell you about their own Vegas adventures, whether you ask for it or not, especially if it's your first time going. Everyone wants to tell you and share their their horror stories about either their mishaps or, or what happened to them on, on their trip to Vegas and so on. So be prepared if you have an upcoming trip to Vegas to hear those stories from them. Me personally, I love listening to those kinds of stories. I think they're absolutely hilarious listening to everybody's unique um, misfortunes, you could say, coming out from Vegas, and I just think it's funny. I know I've got some of those kinds of stories, not necessarily pertaining to Vegas. I mean, sure, people's, everyone's got those college stories and such, but the Vegas ones I think are fun too. I mean, I know my dad has told me a couple of his. I've had friends that have gone to spring break or maybe once the semester's over and tell me about their trips to Las Vegas as well. I think they're all great, I'll tell you. And there's some truth to the warning that they always give to you about Vegas, and I experienced a little bit of that firsthand, I think, this past weekend, which was fun. But first, I'll, I'll start by this. On the Vegas trip when we went, the first thing that uh, we went to go see was the new Las Vegas Raiders Stadium. They were just, literally the day after we left, they had just put up the Allegiant sign on, on the new Raiders Stadium, and they had the stadium sign put up at that point. And it looks really cool. I'll tell you what, the, the whole black paneling on the outside, it's, it's right next to the Strip. It's not on the Strip. But it's right behind some of those uh, large hotels there. And it's it's definitely going to be a, something that people are going to enjoy seeing. So I think it's going to be cool. I had something else that I was going to talk about regarding the, the new Raider Stadium. But I'm not sure if I'm, I'm going to be able to get to that today. But I'll tell you what, that, that Raider Stadium is going to look nice for this team. John Gruden and, and Derek Carr and those guys. We'll see if Derek Carr is still the quarterback. That was what I was going to get to. But uh, we'll save that for another episode. But anyways... Just the first day was just just a tour, go down the strip, go to Fremont Street. Fremont Street, by the way, if you haven't been there in recent years, I don't know when they got this new big screen that overarches the entire street, basically. It's incredible. All I mean, all it not all it does, but it's a huge screen. It goes for like up two blocks or something like this, overarching the street. And it's just it shows all these like cool visuals and, and lights and all this stuff. It was amazing. I mean, I, I couldn't believe how big this screen was. I thought the Dallas Cowboys had a big screen in their stadium. That doesn't even compare to what this thing is. But man, that that was really cool to see for sure. But then it was Friday night where I finally went inside the casinos to see firsthand uh, some of these tables and all these slots. I'll tell you what, first of all about Vegas, when you land in the airport, as soon as you get back into the to the waiting terminals and such like this, there's already slots there, so that first I thought was hilarious. Then going down to the exit terminals where you get on, on 
your pickup or the buses to take you away. There's even more slots there as well. I just thought that was hilarious. A lot of the grocery stores have their own casinos. Almost every store has just a casino somewhere in, in some small capacity, which I thought was hilarious. But on Friday, we finally got to go to the casinos ourselves, did a little partying, and then finally I found some of the blackjack tables. And I'll tell you what, that game is as dangerous as people warn you about. I mean, I went in expecting to lose some money, and I did. I, I won't tell you how much, but I lost what I was expecting to lose. But I'll tell you, it's clearly a game that requires you to play with more money than you think, at least if you want to last longer. I'm at a table where the minimum bet is $15, and I tell you, I was probably only there for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes at the most. I mean, it, it takes that long. At one point, I had a hand where I had 21, not blackjack. I got to 21, and it comes to the dealer, and she has to hit twice, and she still gets herself to 21. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. How much luckier or how much unluckier can I get as a player to try and beat the dealer where they can get 21 off of two? It might have been three hits. I don't remember it for obvious reasons. We don't know why. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what. It's just that the game is so it's, – it's a lot of fun too. I mean, when you win a hand, I didn't get – black. I don't think I got blackjack once. A couple of guys, of course, next to me, you see it a few times. But, man, that game is addicting. You can get really dangerous really quick. I thought I had a lot of fun. At one point, I thought I was going to keep going and gamble a little bit more. But then I sat there, I'm thinking, you know what? I've had a couple of drinks this evening. I think I'm at the point where I should probably not bet again because I'm not going to remember what I'm betting here. And that's where, thank goodness, I had the, the clear sense there to not continue to go. But man, I absolutely love it. You know what I should have done before I gone? The movie 21, you all know this movie with, with Kevin Spacey and, and the college kids who go to Vegas on weekends to try and pay for college and then, of course, counting cards and such like that. And, of course, it all goes south. Hopefully, if you haven't seen it, I'm not ruining it, but it's an older movie. Not older, but it's been out for a while, so I'm not spoiling anything at this point. You've probably heard of it. But anyway, I probably should have paid more attention to this to this movie, I think, in the counting cards aspect of the movie, instead of worrying about Kevin Spacey getting what he deserved in that movie. A little ironic there, but uh, we'll move past that. But clearly, <laughs> I wasn't paying close enough attention with my losses into how exactly they were counting these cards. I don't need to know how to count cards, but if I know, hey, this is not looking in your favor at this point, maybe I can save myself a couple dollars and move on from there, but who knows? But Either way, I had a lot of fun in Vegas. If you haven't gone to Vegas, I definitely recommend it. So there's my uh, little story on it, lo losing money at blackjack. I'm sure others have, have similar stories as well where uh, I, I initially, I'll, I'll say this about it. I initially said, all right, I'm just going to go sit down with my $100. I'm going to put it down, and then I'm going to leave once I lose that $100. Turns out when the minimum bet is $15, that runs out pretty quick. So, I mean, that wasn't really fun. So, I'm like, ah, maybe I'll just stay a little bit more. That's where it can start to turn south. But I uh, I was able to get out in time to, to save myself a little dignity from there. But either way, there's there's my little story about Mount Vegas this past weekend for my first trip there. So, uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. Next time I go, though, I'll uh, definitely watch that movie 21 one time closer and see if I can pick anything up from that. But uh, speaking of cheaters... Anyways, how about the Houston Astros? I told you uh, <laughs> I wanted to get to this last week. 
And I thought I had a nice little segue into it right here after going to Vegas. So I was pretty proud of myself for that one. So I'll get into that right here as, uh, of course, the Houston Astros have been the focal point of upcoming baseball season up till today and and this point, of course. But as we know, the, the Houston Astros were caught with the sign stealing scandal at the beginning or during this off season. And a lot of people have been given the bat or have expressed their displeasure with some of the punishment that was or wasn't handed down. So here kind of like explaining what it was is the players that were involved in this were given immunity where they haven't been punished. They won't be suspended. The trophy won't be taken away. Their 2017 world championship trophy. I mean, that won't be taken away. And that's when they were, at the height of their their science dealing, and even this season when they made the World Series against the Washington Nationals, they were still stealing signs and stuff like that. And and by stealing signs, I, I mean of course that they are knowing what pitch is coming before the pitcher throws it, so that gives them a huge advantage in terms of whether they should swing, whether this is the kind of pitch that they can hit that will give them the best success and such like that. But either way, the players were given immunity; they won't be suspended at all. The Astros manager, A.J. Hinch, he's been suspended for baseball for one year, also was fired from the Astros. The Astros GM also suspended for a year and fired Jeff Lunhow. He was fired by the team as well. So then Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager, he was the assistant manager for the Astros during the 2017 World Series championship team. He and the Red Sox decided to part ways I don't know if that, I mean, I'm pretty sure that technically means he was fired, but he decided they, they would make it more of an agreement between the two sides and, and that he would just resign from the team. Also, Carlos Beltran, one of the veteran players on the team during that time, recently was, or this offseason, was hired by the New York Mets to be their new manager this year. But he also stepped away and will not be managing the team this year as uh, he was a part of this big scandal as well. So those were the punishments in terms of some of the managers for the team. Alex Cora, of course, won the world championship with the Red Sox in 2018. So there was a lot of question there as well. In terms of for the Houston Astros, there was a $5 million fine for the team. And they get no first or second round picks in the 2020-2021 draft. But the thing that's really irked people is that the players have been given immunity in this sense. And there's a couple of things revolving around this in terms of, of that. So the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, said that he wanted to hand down punishments to these players, but he thought he would have lost the case against suspending them because the Players Association for the MLB would have challenged these suspensions and most likely would have won because MLB never told the Astros that sign stealing was wrong. And technically, that is correct in that sign stealing isn't against the rules. Where the Astros went wrong with it, though, was using technology to assist them in decoding these signs and using them live during the at-bats against them. So what they did... So sign stealing is something that teams do, but they aren't using cameras back behind the center field wall to relay that to the coaches that are behind the dugout to alert the players in the batter's box, whether it was, as a lot of people say, banging on a garbage can or even the buzzer on some of these players' chests that they're talking about. Either way, sign stealing is is still something that a lot of teams do, but this 
this form of sign stealing using technology is against the rules. So stealing a sign could be when the manager of one team makes all those motions from the dugout where he touches his nose three times and rubs his elbow another two times, maybe relaying to the first base coach that, hey, try and have our guy steal second base. If a team can figure that out, then knowing in advance that they can try to prevent that, that's considered good scouting by that team. That's the kind of sign stealing that's permissible. And sure, it might be frowned upon for a guy on second base to try and figure out what pitch is coming up next for his teammate that's up to bat, but I'm sure some of the players have tried that too. But the Astros used technology to decode these signs. They weren't told by their own manager and general manager the MLB wasn't going to be able to punish the players because of the lack of information given out by their manager and general manager. After a similar similar situation happened with the Boston Red Sox where they were using an Apple Watch to try and decode some of these sign-stealing tactics, and the Astros didn't warn their players of the consequences, so that's why we see the manager and general manager being punished and the players given immunity in this particular scenario, which means the MLB wouldn't have been able to be upheld if they were suspended because the players' union would have challenged it and most likely won. So that's where a lot of this, a lot of people are upset with the commissioner of baseball and, of course, still with the Astros that these players are going to be able to play this year and that there really isn't any consequence to this punishment or to this to this scandal, really. And that's why a lot of fans, I mean, if you've been watching some of the spring spring training and spring baseball games, you'll see a lot of the fans heckling the players in such with signs or, or jeers and boos and such like that. And that's going to be continuing for a while, I think. But one thing I did read that I thought was kind of interesting on how they could punish the Houston Astros team, at least the 2017 Astros team that won the world championship is a censure of that championship team. Put in permanent asterisks next to their championship season when they're in the midst of that sign-stealing scandal. Of course, right now there's already kind of an unofficial asterisk next to it by the fans and the media and the other players. I mean, you've heard a lot of these other players come out against this. Jose Altuve is one of the Astros players that was a part of this sign-stealing scandal, and he won the MVP for the American League in 2017, I believe. And a lot of players think that that was taken away from maybe a more deserving player in Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. There's guys from the Los Angeles Dodgers who played in that 2017 World Series who have come out and said that they deserve to win that World Series and that that trophy is theirs because they were at an unfair advantage with the Houston Astros stealing signs, knowing what pitch is coming in advance. I mean, you've had players say that they would rather go up against players that are taking steroids than going up against a guy that knows what pitch is coming. You've heard pitchers come out and say that like that. So, I mean, fans, media, other players are putting kind of an unofficial asterisk on that 2017 season, but maybe a permanent one or an official asterisk agreed upon by all the owners in the MLB along with the commissioner could help with a lot of this backlash possibly that is out there that the players don't have punishment really for this cheating since, like I said before, they're not getting suspended. They keep the trophy, they keep the rings, they aren't get us getting suspended, but this could be a way of officially punishing them in the record books. We'll show a censure next to that championship 
and put an asterisk next to it. I mean, we're already punishing other baseball players for their steroid use. I mean, Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, guys like that aren't most likely getting into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you've got, I mean, I don't know about any of these Astros players, but Jose Altuve won the 2017 MVP, like I said. Is this something that they're going to consider with that too if he gets to that level? I mean, it's just interesting. And then, so that's what I was reading about the censure is that it could put an official asterisk next to it instead of it just being unofficial by all these, all the fans, media, and and all the players as well against the Astros. So now what's going to be kind of next? What's going to be upcoming for the Astros this season whenever it does uh, get started, which I'll get to in just a moment here. So they're not getting suspended, but this season and probably future seasons as well, are going to be really rough for them in terms of backlash that they are going to receive during these games. So like the first thing from the backlash from other players, hit by pitches. We've seen a lot of that already directed at them just in spring training games from opposing pitchers where they're purposely going to hit them with a 90-mile-per-hour fastball in the shoulder or in the thigh or something like that. The Astros... Could I mean they they take stats on the teams with the most hit by pitch uh, in a season, and I'm sure the Astros are going to blow by that this year. And teams will, I mean, of course they're awarded first base, but teams will will be okay with that if they can get a little. I mean, it, it's not much in terms of revenge for for these teams. Of course, they'd rather have a different kind of punishment where these players be suspended, but they'll take anything they can get most likely at this point. So that's one thing they're going to have to endure all season, of course. I'm sure in future seasons as well. Fans heckling. I mean, we've seen that a lot in spring training already where fans are coming in with these signs that say, hey, this pitch is going to be like just just teasing and and bringing that back up. All this backlash, you hear all the boos and and jeers, of course, louder than, than you'll hear for any other team. I mean, there's a new villain in baseball. Now, usually it's just the Yankees, right? Everybody doesn't want the Yankees to win. Maybe it's the Dodgers. Maybe it's the Red Sox every now and then. But now, I mean, even people are feeling bad for the Yankees and the Dodgers, the Yankees for not making it to the the World Series and the Dodgers for losing the World Series in 2017. The Astros have become that new villain. Another thing they're going to have to endure for this whole season, at least, is the media focusing on it for every game they play. When you watch SportsCenter this year, I'm sure every Astros highlight that they show at the beginning they will show fans with the signs or any fans doing anything during the game. That will be, of course, the story of every highlight for the Houston Astros. And, of course, if the Astros make the playoffs, that'll still be a thing as well. I don't know. There's there's going to be unofficial punishment, I believe, since they won't get them. They won't be suspended this year, and it's going to come from opposing players. It's going to come from fans. And it's going to come from the media, not necessarily on purpose there, but that's just going to be the narrative around them for a while, of course. So me personally, I believe suspensions should have been handed down, but then I read about why that might not have even worked. So the the point of it seemed moot to hand them down. If the Players Association, which doing their job, would have challenged these suspensions and most likely won in this case. So I understand in some context why they weren't handed down suspensions, but still, I mean... That's just that's just how it is at this point. All right, so let's get to my final thought now on this podcast episode. 
and it's going to be the the coronavirus strikes the sports world now at this point. And I'm going to try to update from where we are at this point. I was going to be recording this podcast episode uh, yesterday, believe it or not. So I don't know what that means in, in terms of podcast for when you're listening. But either way, but then all of this started to break. So I, I wanted to get this in here. But here's where I am at this point on what it is. The NBA, the NHL, the MLB, MLS have all suspended play of their sports for right now. The NBA is 30 days currently suspending their play, and that's fluid, so that could change. After last night, a player was discovered to have the virus, so Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz, a playoff team right now, contacted the virus, wasn't feeling very well. They were The Utah Jazz were actually supposed to play the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. Rudy Gobert was not at the arena. He was He was getting tested because he wasn't feeling well. They found out that he did have it. So then what they did is they canceled that game, or they postponed that game at least right now. They sent both teams back to their locker rooms. They asked all fans to leave the stadium. And they then tested all the players that were on the court for both OKC Thunder and for the Utah Jazz. The Thunder were allowed to leave pretty quickly, but when they quarantined both teams, they found that one other player had the virus, and he wasn't showing any symptoms at the time, and that was Donovan Mitchell. Two all-stars here. So the NBA, after learning all of this, decided to postpone the NBA or games at least for 30 days right now, and they'll reassess after those 30 days. Baseball, like I said at the be- or earlier in this episode, I was going to talk about how opening day has been pushed back now by two weeks. They've canceled the rest of spring training at this point and have pushed the regular season back two weeks right now. NHL and Major League Soccer have postponed their seasons indefinitely right now. NFL teams have started restricting travel for some of their scouts, and teams are closing their facilities facilities and canceling off-season meetings. Nothing on the NFL draft to this point, but I mean that could change at any excuse me, at any minute as well. Uh, colleges are restricting access for college pro days and postponing them until later dates. So Alabama, for example, has moved their pro day for their college players back to April 9th, I believe. And even then that could be pushed even further. And then of course the big one, literally within the last hour or two for me, at least from the beginning of this podcast, the NCAA has canceled both the men's and women's tournaments this March. And in, if I just look at this timeline, how crazy this has progressed and how quickly it has gone. So yesterday, or maybe let's we'll go back a couple days. The NBA had considered playing NBA games without fans in attendance. That's where we were with the step. And then Thursday tonight, the Warriors were supposed to play a home game without fans. That was going to be the first game without fans. They hadn't officially done the whole NBA where they weren't going to be playing without fans. That was just contemplating and, and talking through it at that point. Then yesterday, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz are about to tip off. They realize that a player has the coronavirus. They send both teams to quarantine in the locker room, and they can't or they don't cancel. They postpone the NBA for 30 days. Now, and then yesterday as well, or today, this morning actually, a lot of the major conferences in college basketball started canceling their tournaments. So the Big Ten Conference Tournament, the SEC Tournament, the AAC Tournament, these tournaments were getting canceled this morning. I mean, last night, Fred Hoiberg, 
the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They played the first game of the Big Ten tournament because that got canceled this morning. On Wednesday, they played the first play-in game. He went to the hospital because he was feeling ill while at the Cornhuskers game yesterday. But he was diagnosed with a common cold. He doesn't have symptoms of the coronavirus, so that was that was good to hear. But, I mean, just the timeline of it, how it progressed so quickly from we're going to play without fans to all of a sudden now it's just postponed for 30 days. They just We thought that maybe the NCAA tournament was also going to play without fans. And then we thought, then they started canceling conference tournament games. We're like, all right, so we'll just wait till the NCAA does what their big March Madness tournament. And now, of course, that's been canceled, both men's and women's this March. Not postponed, canceled, which I thought they would first go to postponing it, not just canceling it. I think that about sums up to where we are at this point. NBA postponed for 30 days. NCAA March Madness tournament canceled. NHL postponed, Major League Soccer postponed, and NFL is starting to postpone or cancel meetings, um, restricting scouts from traveling for pro days and such like that. And it's just been crazy how all of this has progressed up to this point. So we'll get to my final, final thought here. And, And the thing that I wanted to get to was, are these steps of cancellation being blown out of proportion or are they necessary in the appropriate steps to help stop the spread of this pandemic that is going on right now and and what's next most likely. So at first, when I thought about this, I thought it was a little bit of an overreaction, all these postponements, then some of the cancellations. My first thought was if they're taking the fans out of it and the players are able to play and they've been cleared or they are cleared or they're not feeling symptoms, then they should still be able to play basketball. But then I thought about it once I saw that the Utah Jazz player Rudy Gobert had contacted the coronavirus. And then I thought, well, this guy, and they say that sometimes you can have it without showing symptoms. And that's why this whole quarantine period of two to 14 days that they're talking about. So now what the NBA has asked as well is the teams that have played, the last 10 teams that have played the Utah Jazz, they're asking these players to self-quarantine because Rudy Gobert was playing in some of these games and could have had the coronavirus at that time. So then I think about this and and talking about taking the fans out of the stands, I thought that was enough, like I said. But then I took a step back for a second and I was thinking about myself, a fit and healthy young adult. But then when you think about it that way, that's not really the responsible way to think about it at all. While I think some of the panic might be a little over the top by some at this point, it's definitely something that needs to be taken seriously and not to joke around with. I mean, then, and that's how possibly Rudy Gobert contacted this disease by at one of his press conferences. He joked around by touching the, some of the mics up front, messing around with some of his teammates in the locker room. And that's possibly how Donovan Mitchell, his teammate, contacted the virus as well. So even if it may not be as severe for myself or people my age, it's something that needs to be taken seriously in how it can affect others. And I think myself and a lot of other people have recently, in light of events happening just today and yesterday, taken this pandemic much more seriously and how it can affect more than just us, hopefully at least. I mean, sports is supposed to be the sort of escape from this sort of thing. Now sports is front and center for it. So Skip Bayless, 
and I can't believe I'm I'm actually going to be using him as an example of all people here. But he <laughs> he said this sentiment this morning on on Fox Sports on his show that our sports bubble that we a lot of us create for sure. I mean, I know I have just kind of got infected by all this news yesterday, and we can usually hide ourselves from it by just keeping our focus on sports. But once it started to creep in here, it was all brought to the forefront. I mean, you hear about in Europe and in China, in Japan, how this is all happening. But of course, you're thinking, well, that's that's pretty far away from me at this point. Then it starts to come to the United States and you start to think selfishly like, oh, I won't be as affected by this or it won't even get to me as long as I take the precautions. Right. But then now. He, like he said, there's a face to this virus, and it comes in the form of an all-star player on the Utah Jazz, someone that everybody who pays closely attention to basketball knows. I mean, a two-time defensive player of the year, a really great basketball player, now has this disease. I mean, also, if you heard and saw that Tom Hanks, maybe one of America's favorite actors, right? Him and his wife down in Australia— have this and it it's weird how it took celebrities and famous athletes to get this disease for it to be kind of at the forefront for a lot of sports people right of course because like we said we can kind of just hide from it in our little sports bubbles which now have been infected by it because all the news that we read is about the coronavirus i mean i was just i haven't started i've started recording this podcast episode at three o'clock Pacific time on Thursday when usually that's when I'm trying to release this episode because I've just been looking on my social media. I've been watching Sports Center, waiting for the next shoe to drop, which was the NCAA either postponing or canceling the March Madness tournament. And in canceling it I thought was an interesting I thought they would postpone it at least and then maybe go from there. Because you, you can postpone it and still be able to cancel it. But now that they've canceled it, they really can't bring it back at that point. But I mean, just reading all about it, that's all the news has been about, at least for me. I don't really follow a lot of other things on my social media. It's just sports, right? And maybe some of my friends who they probably follow other things. And that's how sometimes I get maybe the gossip news or something like that. But sports is mostly what I pay attention to in the news. And now when the virus infects that, I'm not really reading about sports. I'm reading about the news in that sense. So it's just... uh Interesting how that's all come come full circle in this sense. So now for the final, final thought, like I said, what's next really for this is, I mean, we're going to have almost a month without sports, at least in terms of the NBA. We were just getting close to the playoffs with that. No March Madness, which is just mind boggling to think about that in terms of no NCAA March Madness tournament. And, and you just... In, just for a side note there, you feel for all those seniors. But of course, this is not a basketball thing at this point. This is people were taking a step in being a good... Like uh, Jay Billis just said on ESPN today, this is college basketball and the NBA being a part of being a good global citizen in terms of trying to curve and slow down the spread of this uh, virus in a sense. So, I mean, it's just it's just been crazy the last 24 hours even. I mean, you could, I mean, I could have said the last two hours in the terms of that March Madness has been canceled. But I mean, the entire 24-hour, 48-hour period has been uh, 
has been crazy too how we went from just fans not going to be in attendance but we're still going to be playing these games to all of a sudden an NBA player has the virus to now the NBA is postponed and going from there it leads to the end of college basketball this year so just the progression and how quickly it went for sports fans especially who have now been more in tune and and taken a, a greater interest in this topic has been uh has been crazy to say nonetheless so uh we'll see i mean i'm gonna i'm still gonna be continuing the podcast even if there aren't sports i mean i'm sure i'll be talking about this a little more next week as well i'm traveling to nashville this week for a bachelor party so i'm sure i'll have some fun stories to talk about with that as well but uh everybody be safe take the precautions and take it seriously i mean i know i at first i wasn't i didn't think it was going to be uh something that I needed to take this seriously. Of course, I wasn't too worried because I was thinking about myself and, I, and I'm and i not even worried. I'm still not worried about myself in terms of the virus because I think I can take good care of myself and I have been taking good care of myself, but in terms of thinking about others as well. And even though I'm traveling, I'm not still super worried about it because I'll take the precautions and hopefully others do as well. But either way, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you learned a little something too. Stay safe, everybody. And that is the final final.